Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is episode 58 of Detox Podcast. It's called Dear Bourbon. And I am so happy to be here with you today talking to you, uh, sharing about this. Uh, I've got about the same number of people who listen every episode that comes out. And I think it's an interesting relationship because I talk to you. I just ramble on and on and on about my emotional experience. And you just listen and I don't hear anything from you. It's so weird. It's so weird. So, uh, hi. (laughs) I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you're well. I hope this uh, gives you some solidarity, some solace. Or just something to entertain you while you, I don't know, wash dishes, drive to work, take the train to school. Whatever it is you're doing, I'm grateful you're here. Yeah, I've got a couple more meditation classes, two more. Uh, One on Thursday, the 19th. That is at 7.30 p.m., right after Amy's Dynamic Flow class. And I would highly suggest you come to the, to the, meditate or the the yoga class first the dynamic flow and then come to my meditation class afterwards I know it's a little bit daunting but see come and see because yoga the actual physical asana practice is is to prepare the body for meditation and that's what we're meant to do is to do the physical practice and then sit in stillness and and be able to really uh, get as deep as possible into meditation and that's what it was really designed for, is to keep the body young and nimble and, and, and able to sit for long periods of time in contemplative meditation. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the flow class, and then I'm going to guide the meditation. <clears throat> so if you're able, I would highly recommend that. Um, if you can't make it to Thursday, or if you can, there's also another meditation class that I'll be guiding on Sunday, the 22nd. It's my last meditation class for September because then I head to California, Costa Mesa, California, to team up with Chef Mimi Rose to do our Write and Rise poetry workshop, which is like, I don't, like, listen to this. I can't believe anybody would not say yes to this. So you come and we're going to do, we're going to write poetry together with food as inspiration. So I'm going to let you close your eyes, smell these different food ingredients, food stuff, and whatever comes to mind, we're going to write from that, whatever that stimulates in your brain. And while we're doing that, Chef Mimi Rose is going to be making lunch for us out of those same ingredients, and we'll share the beautiful meal together, and you'll literally eat your art, okay? You're going to eat your art. It's going to be amazing. So um, go to Eventbrite, write and rise, SoCal Foodie Edition. September 28th, Saturday, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Under the Californian sun. Get your tickets now. (laughs) How can you say no to that? Amazing. Okay, if you're in the area, check it out. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah. So let's get into this one. Hey, let's get into it. Dear Bourbon. You know, I I literally just uh, got halfway through the poem when I realized... Um, I wasn't actually recording anything, and I was just talking to my living room. <laughs> so this is actually my second take now. <laughs> but yes, here we go. Dear Bourbon, my favorite mug, filled with you, shattered last night. 
My favorite t-shirt, stained from the accident, feels like sandpaper as I pack it in my suitcase. That won't get you very far, you say. You point a shaky finger at the broken zipper. It'll get me far enough, I think. I want to forget you. You ruin everything I love and everyone who loves me. A million times I've welcomed you back, begging on your knees. If I don't go now, I'll never leave. I won't let you. You bar the door. Angry bottle of yourself slipping from your hand. It falls. You shatter. Dark poison seeps into the floorboards. You strike a match. Where did you get that, I say, like it matters, as flames burn up our eyes. My one last chance, reduced to ash. You have to stay. See, I'm a storyteller, you know? I loved turning everything into a narrative, into a dialogue. Even my addiction. Personified. Even in the first three lines, I have this, like, itch that comes to me when I read it. My favorite mug filled with you shattered last night. How many times did I pour... Ten, drink, 10 drinks too many and I'm sitting there at my, on my couch and I pass out. I become unconscious due to the amount of alcohol I've consumed and I still have a full glass in my hand. And the only reason I wake up is because it falls from my lap and shatters on the floor. Another glass ruined. In my head also alcohol wasted. Ugh. and guilt for letting it happen, for needing that much, and not even using it. For guilt for maybe I woke up my boyfriend in the other room who's sleeping and there was a shattering of glass at four in the morning. Hmm. That still, <laughs> I can still feel that in my gut, you know? Um, but the relationship to alcohol is just like a poisonous relationship, right? You have this thing that talks you into being with it all the time. It tells you every reason why you can't leave. You don't have the means. Where are you going to? Put your stuff, your zipper's broken. How are you going to, the wheels are broken, the handle's broken on your suitcase. How are you supposed to take that anywhere? You're just, you're better off where you are. I say that I even stained my favorite t-shirt and that's gutting in itself, right? Oh, by the end I was drinking bourbon. Bourbon was never my drink of choice. But I like the idea of it, you know, the romanticized bourbon in like this, you know, lowball glass, swirling dark liquid that you see in the middle of an upscale den filled with leather and books. And you're, it's sophisticated, right? That's how it's been marketed to us. It completes the picture of highbrow, of elegance, of mystere. You know, it's just 
and it's the thing. It's so destructive. You see it in so many, um, in so many media presentations. You have TV shows or movies where the character is obviously not coping with something and they're drinking bourbon and it's it's like we know that it's wrong but it's also because it's presented like this it's acceptable that alcohol is a perfectly acceptable coping mechanism this bourbon in our glass we need not address our problems or feel our feelings all we need is bourbon in a glass And I forced myself to like it. I tried to make old fashions to cut it, you know, orange bitters and honey or sugar. Just to take that horrible, horrible edge off of it. And you know what? Hangovers are so much worse with bourbon because of the dark alcohol means there's a higher sugar content. The higher the sugar, the worse the hangover. And so I was even, I was causing myself even more pain in the end. Trying to kill that part of myself that was so desperate to have something good, but looking for it in all the wrong places. Right, I read something and I shared it on my Instagram the other day that I was. Something along the lines of, I was seeking destruction, but I chose healing instead. Because for years I chose destruction. I chose annihilation, obliteration. I wanted to stop feeling the things I didn't know how to feel. I wanted to stop feeling guilt and blame for choosing not to feel. For harming myself. And every time I thought about leaving this relationship with alcohol, with bourbon, with whatever, I came up with a hundred reasons to stay. But you're destroying everything that I love and everyone who loves me. My relationships are starting to wear and disintegrate. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of feeling horrible. I'm tired of feeling like a failure. I'm tired of of knowing that I could be so much more. But I'm trapping myself in this little tiny mental prison. Not really knowing that that's what I've been doing. But feeling so small, shut down, claustrophobic. Not realizing how much good is out there and waiting for me. But the second that freedom is right on the other side of the door. There's something that happens in my head. Like the strike of a match. Out of my control. To the point of destroying my entire apartment burning myself alive, burning up, evaporating with fire, 
the thing that is keeping me dying. It's confusing and defeating. It feels hopeless. Like the closer you are to freedom, the harder it gets. And it's that little edge that you can't quite get past. It's that threshold of the doorway that you can't get through. Because at the very last moment, fear takes over. Addiction takes over. And you can't leave. Something bars the way. It's like a maze that you can't find the exit. It's like the very first poem in this book. My mind is a maze without any exits, and the only way we think is through. That's how it goes. And that's how it feels. It feels impossible. How we ever get out, I don't know. And once we're out, it, it's amazing, but, it, but sometimes we forget. We just forget how hard it was. We forget, oh, we say, oh, well, I've done it once. I've done it before. I can do it again. It's not that bad. Obviously, I got out, so it wasn't that bad. Well, oh my God, it was that bad. I was watching 13 Reasons Why, and when a teacher says to a student in regards to addiction, he says, you got out once, but if you go back, you're not getting out again. And that's not, that's not true. Because I did go back and I did get out. But I swear it's harder. <laughs> it's not easier, it's harder because the... The circumstances have changed, you know? It's, it's, it's different. We're getting to the poem soon where, where I did go back and the feelings that came along with that and the, the mental games that came along with that. And I'll, and I'll try to, to leave that for then. But once you're out, my God... I'm going to do my best to never go back. I don't want to be back in that apartment with my abusive lover bourbon. The one that begs on her knees, taunts me, tells me I'm not good enough, not strong enough, not able. <sighs> Telling me that I have to stay. Fear is a really, really tricky thing. It 
It creates this narrative inside our heads that we feel is true, and it's so difficult to try to convince ourselves otherwise. Without this, what will we have? Without alcohol, what will I be? I've used it so intensely that it has become part of my identity. What am I without it? When we identify with the outer, with external things, what we do with our time, what we put in our bodies, where our interests lie, who we spend our time with, what we do for work, where we go, what we say. When we put so much identification of self in these external things, it creates separateness because when we identify so strongly with one thing that we are, it, it demands to have an other. Even once we reach sobriety, and I've experienced this so heavily, when we become so righteous in our sobriety and we become so heavily identified with it it creates other the people who are not sober the people who who seem to handle alcohol or any other substance fine the people who have no problem with moderation the the people who who don't know what it's like it, it breeds us versus them. And that, and that breeds hate and fear and walls between us. Which breeds isolation, which is exactly where we are now. In our addiction, isolated. Feeling us versus them. Feeling like this is the only thing that's ever happened it only happened to me. I mean, there's no one else who is suffering like me. I'm suffering in silence. I'm alone in this. And then I'm alone in my sobriety. I'm alone in, in how advanced and spiritual I am. I'm alone in, in being awake and the others are asleep. But that's not true. That is just fear and the ego attempting to keep us separate and alone. And we are not separate and alone. We are all together. We are all one. We, we are all here, souls on this earth, having, having human experiences together. And we are all learning lessons all the time. I am not the only one learning lessons. I'm not the only one doing the work. Every single person is doing the work. I have to consistently remind myself of that. That is one of the hardest ego chatters that go on in my brain. You know, it's like this, if only this other person 
would look inside themselves and do some soul searching, then they wouldn't be so harmful to me or others or themselves. That's something I, I think about a lot. But I act out of character as well. I act out of anger, out of pain, out of sadness, out of desperation, out of loneliness. I am not different than them. They could be saying the same thing. Oh, if Denise would only focus on herself and not how I am doing, then then she would not hurt others, herself, as much. If only she did some soul searching, perhaps she wouldn't say those things that she says. We all say things that we don't mean. We all say things that come from a place of emotion instead of uh, divine intention. But there, that's just how we learn. I think back to when you were a teenager. Almost everything you didn't say is kind of cringeworthy, right? The ego and you are not separate when you're a teenager. It's very difficult to to, to not act from a place of pure emotion. But being pulled in so many directions, learning what's right and what's wrong, and we do that through making mistakes. We don't choose the right choice almost ever when we're that age. And I don't hold that against myself. I don't say, oh, 15-year-old Denise, I can't believe you did that. It's still like harbor all this resentment towards her and feel guilty and shameful. She was 15. I love her. She was just trying to do her best. And she learned very powerful, valuable lessons that, that I still remember as 27-year-old Denise. And that means that now 27-year-old Denise is still making mistakes and learning lessons. And she doesn't choose the right thing all the time. And 28 Denise is going to forgive her and love her. And 35-year-old Denise is gonna is going to love her and forgive her. So why can't I do that to myself now? I can. We can do it in the moment. We do not need to harbor shame and fear and resentment towards ourselves. We do not need to believe the lies that our brain tells us. These narratives that there's no point in changing, there's no point in trying to do better. We should just repeat these negative, painful cycles and stay in this poisonous, unhealthy relationship with ourselves. We need not do that. We can walk through the door. We can say, fuck you, bourbon. Fuck you in your match. Go ahead and burn this apartment because I'm going to walk straight through these flames and be purified.
I'm glad that bottle of you slipped right out of your hands and shattered on the floor because I don't want to drink it. I'm going to let it be the catalyst for this purifying flame to burn bright and strong and destroy everything in here that hurts me. And burn clean this ugly narrative that I've been playing. Because the truth is we are pure and we are whole and we are enough and we are already there. We've already made it. We're already through the door. We've been through the door this whole time. You are enough. You are enough. Even if this line is ringing cheesy for you right now, I want you to say it. I am enough. I am pure. I am divine. I'm already where I need to be. Because that's true, you are already there. You, you are there, you are there, you are there. You need not do this, X, Y, and Z. You need not roll out your big to-do list of, I will be successful when I tick all of these 100 things off my list. You're already through the door. Dear Bourbon, my favorite mug filled with you shattered last night. My favorite t-shirt stained from the accident feels like sandpaper as I pack it in my suitcase. That won't get you very far, you say. You point a shaky finger at the broken zipper. It'll get me far enough, I think. I want to forget you. You were in everything I love and everyone who loves me. A million times I've welcomed you back, begging on your knees. If I don't go now, I'll never leave. I won't let you. You bar the door. Angry bottle of yourself slipping from your hand. It falls. You shatter. Dark poison seeps into the floorboards. You strike a match. Where did you get that, I say? Like it matters, as flames burn up our eyes. My one last chance reduced to ash. You have to stay. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really, really grateful that you're here. I hope you have a fantastic week. I'll see you next time.